0: Hello, beautiful listeners. I'm so excited to share this episode with you today. My guest is my partner, Sean Nolan. Our conversation is an honest look at where we've come from versus where we are now. If you had told Sean or I three or four years ago that we'd be here today building a family and a life together, neither of us would have believed it back then. So it truly warms my heart to sit here as a participant and witness of his growth and mine as a result of choosing our journeys of self-inquiry and then exploring what kind of relationship would result from that. Maybe in hearing our truths, you might recognize a piece of your own journey through it and can be met with the hope and love Sean and I have for each of you to discover something so worthy of exploring more of yourself, more of your expansion, more of your truth, more of how you might be called to show up differently relationally with the world around you. Our world needs more people that come alive in the name of what is held in their hearts. And if there's one thing I know for sure, that journey is definitely worth taking. If you like what you hear, I hope you continue to come alongside with me on my journey of expansion and going beyond our comfort zones through these powerful conversations. Share this episode if you feel invited to and give me a follow on Instagram at Tide underscore mama. Without further ado, here is our conversation.
1: I'm so excited to introduce my next guest, Sean Michael Nolan, who is my partner, Koa's father, and my best friend. I wanted to thank you for coming on because I never thought I was going to get you to be a guest on the podcast because I know how shy you can be. And I've known you since my high school years. And I want to say that our relationship has evolved over the course of many years. And maybe our connection with each other started far before we even began dating and developing a friendship and all the things. And here we are today having this conversation. And thank you for coming on, babe. Thank you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me.
1: For all my listeners. Just to paint you a picture, Sean and I are under the same roof in two separate rooms just so that we could give this a bit more of an edge where we weren't in each other's faces. And we have a video recording of each other so we could see our facial expressions to help actively engage more in our conversations. So babe, I want to... I don't know if
3: I like being able to see myself.
1: Like first I want to start letting the viewers know the realistic struggle that relationship can be. And to give a good example moments before we recorded this, we had a little lover spat about scheduling. And we are both so well, I know that I am definitely hyper aware of the management of time, especially now that we have Koa in our life. And at the time that I approached you with something, you didn't receive it the way I was delivering it. And I didn't receive what was actually behind your reaction. So for you as a parent now, what did you take from that experience?
3: I don't remember any argument.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay. What did I take away from that experience?
1: Yeah, because it was really frustrating. And yeah. I felt like I was trying to help you. you We're looking for some time to yourself. And I think as parents, it's so important to to fill up our cups when we can. And I felt like I was trying to help you deliver something that you had requested and your reaction wasn't what I was expecting.
3: Yeah, for sure. I think you just caught me at at a cranky time, which might seem like a lot, especially when we're both kind of locked in sleep. And then time too, because then when we don't have the time to do the things that we feel we need to do to just operate as like high level human beings, for you, it's writing and journaling and reading. For me, it's like working out or doing yoga or whatever it is. I mean, when we don't have those chances to do those things, for me, I become irritable and short fused and impatient. So that's, it was just maybe a bad timing, but there shouldn't be, timing shouldn't really matter when you're trying to bring up Something that's going to help the relationship. So on my part, it was... I felt I was already cranky to begin with. And then I felt like you're coming at me with all the scheduling stuff. And I wasn't prepared for it because I didn't have my schedule or phone with me. And I yeah, it was just me being cranky. Sometimes I'm the child. Maybe a lot.
1: And I can recognize how it could be frustrating when you're... It feels like information's coming at you and you're not ready to unpack it. So... I thank you for acknowledging that. And in what way could we shift that differently next time? Like, is it a matter of me saying, Hey babe, I got some scheduling stuff to talk about. Is it a good time for you?
2: Exactly. Yeah. 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 For sure.
1: And then what's like something different that you could do in a moment like that, if it came up again,
3: say right now is not a good time. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just been like trying to keep Koa cause he was like napping, but in and out of napping. So I was with him and then in my head, I was like already kind of starting to get resentment built because I was like, I haven't done a damn thing for myself today yet. And she's in there journaling or reading or writing. And you already had like some appointments set up and done. And I just felt like I hadn't done my stuff and it was already kind of boiling inside of me. And then, and then without you didn't know nothing about that. And then when you came, Cole was just waking up and I was kind of with him. And then, yeah, it was just a bad timing for me to be. Easily frustrated. Mm. And so how I can maybe mitigate that before it happened would be just to say right now's not a good time. And but in a polite way so you don't take offense to it.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: If
2: that's possible.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a good learning opportunity for us. And I think that's one thing I love about I mean, I can't say I love our fights, but I appreciate that we can unpack them way better than we ever could before.
2: Totally.
3: Yeah. That's to me, this seems like almost like amazing. It's like a superpower right now. If you think about it, as much as I... It's so hard for me to be engaged in difficult conversations. And I honestly almost get kind of anxiety going into them. If I know they're coming, like this interview right now, I was very nervous. I still am. But I coming out of it, I understand how... Now I can understand and see the benefits of it. And it's it's pretty amazing. How you feel or how much growth you feel you've you've moved with having that difficult
1: conversation mm-hmm. they're definitely worth having, especially when you trust the person you're having it with. You feel safe to speak your truth with the person you're having it with instead of afraid, which I also love about us. I wanted to get into how we're sitting here having this conversation, and three or four years ago, we could hardly hold space to have this kind of conversation with each other reflecting back to where we began to where we are now what's one thing that you're most proud of
3: not running away not escaping and i mean not even just physically i used to just like if i felt like things were getting too heavy for me or too too real i would i would literally leave i would like go surfing or go drive the oregon coast for 2 weeks or you know go to the island and hang out with my surfing friends or I would just literally leave and let alone even come close to having like engaging real conversations that are difficult and don't make me feel very comfortable during them. And I just wasn't, I didn't want that at that time in my life. I didn't want intimacy. I didn't want closeness. I didn't want, I didn't want to be cared for essentially. Mm -hmm.
1: Did you feel like I cared for you and that was triggering something that would absolutely activate maybe like a, For you to go?
3: That was scary for me. Yeah. I've learned about myself that I'm like, always been this caretaker and I have a hard time letting people care for me. Mm. And I think maybe like, I just, in the last little while, kind of realized that consciously, but maybe unconsciously, that's what's kind of scared the shit out of me. And that's why I did a lot of running, especially coming out of the relationship that I was in before I -hmm. wasn't ready for anything like that. And um, it took a long time before I could accept that someone might want me or want to take care of me or want to love me.
1: Right. Thank you for sharing that because I know that requires a lot of bravery on your part. And I can honestly say I, I can pinpoint every moment that you ran because at the time, I was so deep into my anxious attachment that running, you running was cue for me to overreach, like show that you could be the best partner that he could need right now or the best thing that he might need and that you could help him, you can help fix him. When really what it was triggering in me was a wound that required so much healing based on a pattern that wasn't serving me clearly because of the relationship that we had at that time. It was just not serving either of us. And yet there was so much tangible material for us to learn from in those moments.
3: Totally. Yeah. But yeah. But and then back in the day, like I just I didn't even want to acknowledge that. Like I was so...
1: You were avoidant, for sure.
3: Totally avoidant. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I wanted to talk a bit about our dance with ambivalence because it was such a seesaw of emotions for both of us. Through the work we've put in, I've encountered so many beautiful, brave individuals that have begun to get curious about their own work and what comes up for them in the process. What for you has been something that's come up that challenges you the most, and why, and what have you learned from it, based on everything we've experienced or yourself personally?
3: So you're asking what challenges what challenged me most about my personal growth in this relationship. Yeah, I think that whole thing of allowing myself to be cared for, and to go deeper, is like allowing or understanding that I am worth having someone love me. Mm-hmm. And I think I remember. The decision I made, like it was a conscious choice when I wanted to stop being ambivalent and stop running and stop keeping you at arm's distance. I remember exactly where I was. I was talking to my friend Cam on Long Beach surfing. We're having a beer. And then I remember we're talking about you and the relationship. And, and I think at that point, and I, after a couple of conversations with some other close friends, I decided right there and then to stop. I, like why am, I, why am I not allowing myself to be happy? Why am I not allowing myself to be loved? Why am I not allowing myself to be open to the potential of greatness? And that was the decision I made right there and then to like consciously I'm gonna I'm gonna love you and, and give this thing a go and I stop running. And um it was easier said than done. Like I said it and then I think remember I told you I wanna try and then we are super happy. But there was like weeks, maybe months where I was like it was hard to break old habits. Like I still had it was still in me to be a runner and you know, it's hard to change instantly as much as you wanted me to change and be who you wanted me to be. But at least you saw the potential in me and then you saw me growing, even though it was like incrementally, very slowly. But I, I was still, you know, that's when I really started doing more work into finding out why I have these tendencies to run and why I don't feel like I can be taken care of, but I can take care of everything else or everyone else. So getting into like my childhood shit and, Understanding why I have these feelings or why I have these tendencies and why these patterns occur. I became more aware and more conscious and becoming more aware, learning where it came from. That was obviously very, very difficult. You know, when you have to go back to almost relive those, those moments where you have been conditioned or where those patterns have occurred. Mm-hmm. It's not a very comfortable place to be or go to. But again, like that's it, you know, nothing. Worth having should be easy. And I think all this kind of work that you're talking about is essential if you want to be vibrating at the frequency that we're meant to be vibrating at.
1: Yeah. And I I appreciate what you said because I've read a bit about the wiring in our brain and when we have traumas and things like that. And even if we're not in the space and time that that trauma occurred, we sometimes reflect or are triggered by things that happen in our present day life that can trigger those past things. And our bodies are hardwired to react as if that thing that happened is happening in that moment. So our,
2: yeah, our natural body. reaction
1: is to defend, protect, go into survival mode. And and like at the time that we were in that space, it was hard for us to recognize, you know. Like for me, I was like, why can't he just understand that I love him and that like we have a beautiful thing here? When really I couldn't, I wasn't cognizant of the fact that, like, hey. He still has his own trauma to heal. And because of my own work that I hadn't like bridged that gap yet within myself, it was hard for me to recognize that in you. And I took your reactions as defining my worthiness as not there. And so it was this big headbutting phase between you and I where we really went back and forth. And I I want to say it was only in that time that we spent apart in those moments apart that we were able to catch our breath and recalibrate the way we saw ourselves as individuals and ask bigger fucking questions, ask different kinds of questions that allowed the space for our growth.
3: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I remember those moments where like it was frustrating for me because you wanted everything like now or yesterday, like you just <laughs> couldn't wrap your head around the fact that I needed time or that I'm even slow. Like I'm, you know, me well enough and all my friends and family that know me, I'm, I'm, I'm just generally slow would be a good word to describe me. Like I'm a Pearl. slow professor. I'm a slow Gathering all the information I need to make an informed decision. I don't jump into things and, um, and I'm slow for, for growth, I guess. And remember during those times, like you just couldn't wrap your head around the fact that, like, why can't you see this? Why can't you see this? And I'm like, you know, give me a break. I'm, I'm doing the best I can, but, but I knew I was, you know, for me, I'm like, growth is growth and it doesn't really matter the speed as long as you're moving forward. That's what counts. So it was really frustrating for me that because. I just it felt like I couldn't be there fast enough for you. And, you know, I felt the pressure of you. And I almost kind of, it was really hard because it made me want to kind of run more or more frequently or more often. But I think we both kind of like leveled out a little bit and started meeting each other halfway. It reminded me, remember that um, when we're out in front of that bar, the side door, no, the narrow, yeah, the, the red narrow, door, right? the, narrow. the
1: narrow, yeah.
3: remember that, that the little Japanese door guy
1: Yeah, yeah. he He had perfect wisdom for us. He was like
3: a guru philosopher. and You came out of there, we'd been drinking and you were like, this guy doesn't understand blah, blah, blah. And he knew exactly what the hell you were talking about. And he's like, (laughs) he made the greatest analogy of like, he's like, you are too impatient. You were like, it's like you see a little flower and you have, you know, it can grow into a big, beautiful bush or tree. And you're like, come on, hurry up, grow, grow, grow. And you're pouring more water on it. It's like, you can't rush nature. You can't. As much as you want to see that thing, or for me, me grow into becoming whatever you thought I was going to or am going to be. When he said that, I was just smiling. I was like, that is so fucking true. Like, this guy is awesome. forget his name, but I still think of
2: him to this day. He was great.
1: Well, I can say now I understand that your inability, or not inability, but the space that you were in wasn't defining my worth. It was a space of insecurity, first of all, for myself, because... I was like, if he doesn't want to be with me and I have all these things to offer, then there must be something wrong with me. And I guess in being with you, it would have filled that void. And looking back now, I'm so, so glad you took your time and got curious because if we had met ourselves in those spaces of ambivalence, we would have had, and we did have such a rocky relationship because how could we have recognized that growth or that kind of, self-worth or respect unless we began to identify that within ourselves first and we only did that by taking space so space is actually for me it's become such a love language especially today now with our baby and back then looking back like what a gift space is and I think for people like myself who are anxious attached when you take space when you don't get that text you don't get that call when you want it you want that control because that control is indicative of filling a need or a security that you need, it's an outside condition to give you a comfort that you need when really all of those things that we externalize, I'm learning needs to come from within first. It shouldn't be conditional based on your partner. I mean, that's a classic codependent thing. And so we were really struggling because we knew we wanted to be with each other, but the timing just wasn't right. And we both fought it, but just in different directions and in different ways.
3: 100%, yeah, I agree timing wasn't right. And we were both not where we needed to be to have anything constructive come out of.
1: Yeah. So, you know, through my writing and podcasting, one thing I love to bring awareness to is normalizing the struggles that come with being stretched and the expansion that comes with growth mindset, which I I feel like we've both really grown in so many ways. In what ways has struggling taught you about your resilience?
3: I don't know. Like in the deepest struggles and struggles that I've had throughout my whole life, I kind of revert back to... Actually, when I was like... When I went through that divorce, like like you, I've been divorced too, but probably very mm-hmm. different circumstances. That was really hard and painful for me. And when I... To help me heal myself, like, first of all, I needed to get rid of all the anger. I was like, that was one thing I noticed. I was anger. I was filled with hatred and rage. And then and that I knew consciously that I had to get rid of that if I had any chance of ever being happy again. And that's when I kind of stumbled upon spirituality. And then through spirituality, I ran and somehow got into stoicism, of the philosophy of stoicism. And that philosophy really helped me put struggle or challenges, define them in a different way, like as an opportunity. And I I feel Mm -hmm. like the universe never would put anything in front of anyone that they weren't born to handle. That that saying those words right there have lifted me up from some of the darkest places I've ever been at, even even if it's temporary, but they've helped me and and it's not always easy, but you there is, I truly believe there's a silver lining behind everything that happens to you. As bad as you may think it is in that moment, you can look back and you can turn it into something that is an opportunity. So behind every challenge, there's opportunity. And if you can keep that in you somewhere when you need it. That, for me, has helped me be resilient in the face of adversity, for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. That's really good advice. Looking at things as if seeing the opportunity and the challenge, you know.
3: And you might not even at the moment, but just understand that you're born to get through it. You're born to pass this obstacle, this hard time, like it does pass. No matter, like I'm talking the deepest, of deepest, darkest places that people go to, it ends. It's not forever. It passes. And then you have opportunities to turn that into something beautiful. There's challenges always present great opportunity. And I think that's, that's the cornerstone of growth right there.
1: Mm -hmm. I saw a poster the other day and it showed like a, a marble representing grief. And then the marble was in a jar and it said like, grief doesn't go away over time. You just, you grow around it. So your relationship to it shifts and evolves. And I think, in In the face of challenges is it, it isn't always about making them go away sometimes overcoming them is in the way that you grow and that you're able to learn from it and and like you said, turn it into something beautiful, a lesson, an opportunity to learn
3: totally and I think when people are in bad situations or they're they are afraid to feel what they feel they Pain is real, but they want to avoid it or run from it, These distract themselves from it. And I think that's... They're doing themselves a, a disservice. Um, those are tools. Those are opportunities for you to get inside yourself and find out questions that maybe you, you were too afraid to ask. Yeah, I think pain can be an outlet for huge growth, but you have to learn from it. You know, Running from it, you're always... Then you're born... You're, you're definitely going to be reliving a pattern. And you're going to do over again and you won't learn from it. Yeah. Being able to sit with the pain and learn from it as opposed to running, numbing it, whatever kind of methods, a lot of most people or a lot of people, and myself, I've, you know, I've I've resorted to drugs and alcohol and whatever distraction methods I've had in the past to cope with pain that I've had. They're self sabotaging and they don't really serve any purpose other than to numb the pain. But if you really want to get down to it and create, the potential that every human has to be their greatest version of themselves. I think you have to walk that walk to go through it.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. I think it was only in facing the pain that you and I were able to actually walk alongside each other instead of constantly away from each other.
3: Of course. And when you do it, you, you that in itself builds resiliency. That in itself builds you as a stronger human being. You know, you've you've conquered something and that's a great achievement. And it never leaves you. That's something you have with you always.
1: Forever. I wanted to talk about, I know you mentioned earlier when you decided to take a chance with us. Would you say that along the way? Well, you mentioned you had support along the way. You you had conversations with Cam and you had friends to support you. What other tools helped you shift your perspective from being ambivalent to actually taking a very bold risk for you at the time, which felt like something super scary. And now today, even like, what do you do when it does come up for you? What are some ways that you've learned or tools that you've picked up along the way that has helped you ease your internal, like regulate your internal system?
3: For me, it's like getting back to myself, tools that I use. Like I had, I had a great support system. I had a huge cast of friends that are there for me no matter what. And they've helped me along the way with so many different things. And I can't be more grateful for them. But, like I said before, like I got into spirituality, and that really helped center myself, get inside of myself and you know start feeling like a whole real person through meditation, breath work, all these kind of tools that help me kind of ground myself and center myself when mm-hmm. I feel frustrated or stressed out, or you know the the monkey brain is is chattering away. Those are definitely tools that have helped me ground myself. What else was the question <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just basically that like but you know, what helped shift and also what shift, what shifted you from a perspective of being ambivalent to, okay, like I'm. Oh, so yeah.
3: Through that, through that work of like spirituality, I I had to learn to truly love myself, like acknowledge that I am worthy of love, that I am worthy of having someone take care of me. That is a big one for me because I was always, like I said, from, a very young age, too young. I was the, the caretaker, and and um, yeah, I felt like I kind of got robbed a lot of my childhood because of that role that was thrust upon me. And I guess because of that, I, I had a really really hard time having allowing anyone in, mm-hmm. um, allowing anyone to love me because I maybe I felt that I wasn't worthy. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's still hard. Like I'm still working through a lot of this shit. I think, but I think it comes down to like losing ambivalence came with losing the insecurity that you know, that I'm, I'm worth having someone take care of me and I shouldn't feel guilty or shame about it. Right. Um, yeah. Those, those are the big ones for me.
1: And what, what a powerful thing to be reminded of in every moment that we can, that we are born worthy, you know, and I think in our own patterns, we have learned to redefine what that worthiness might look like. And, you We forget in relationship too, we're two different people with two different backgrounds and two different upbringings that were shown two different ways of what worthiness looks like. And, and, you know, even for our own parents who love us so much and yet may not have loved us in the way that could have helped us cultivate a relationship with worthiness. I mean, we're passed on things from generations, right? And it's about taking responsibility when you have access to those resources and being aware and learning what that means to you. Totally.
2: yeah.
3: Like whatever their situation, our parents, my parents, your parents, you know, they're doing the best that they,
1: yeah. At a
3: time with what they had, like your parents were new immigrants. My parents dealt with the death of their first child. Like these are like crazy things that happen that are going to take away from the optimal child rearing activities that they might otherwise be involved with. And it's going to create a down trickle effect onto me and you. And it's no fault of their own. But like you said, quote, unquote, bad things happen to everyone. But it's, it's our responsibility to create our own happiness. Mm -hmm. And that's where this work kind of work comes in, I think.
1: For sure. Recently, there was a podcast conversation that Mark Groves aired that I was on and I spoke about our relationship. And I'm still so blown away by all the messages that Are coming in and a lot of them have asked me the same question which was how did you know to keep putting the work into the relationship that you and I shared versus leaving and how were we able to distinguish whether this was worth investing in versus a pile of red flags so I'll go first like for me
2: those are good questions
1: I know right For me at first, I really didn't know. I was a big chaotic mess. I had so many insecurities. I really outsourced my happiness. I had a shitty relationship with money and I bought things to push down the numb, the feeling of insecurity that I was hiding deep down inside. Like I have no problem being an extrovert and talking to people. People love to have conversations with me and I equally love to have conversations with them so I knew how to get along with people. I put out this facade, like I had it all together when really deep down, I was sad. You know, I didn't have a healthy relationship with myself. My decisions weren't rooted in love. They were mostly rooted in fear and insecurity. I purchased a lot of things. You've seen all my clothing that I'm still trying to offload because I thought in having an instant gratification of, of a new article of clothing, mostly from Aritzia, because I love their clothes, that I felt more powerful when really it was just masking. It was just a quick fix band aid for what feeling that I knew I had to numb out. And so when people ask me, how did I know to keep putting in the work in this relationship versus leaving? Um, For me, it was recognizing my own growth and starting to get curious about the constant that was me and all these equations that weren't working out. And when it came to this relationship, I was already... Beginning to ask questions, the patterns that Sean was triggering in me through our relationship was already something I started to work on before he entered, and it it took years. I mean, I'm still in it. I just in taking those micro decisions and and turning them back on me and just observing and getting curious, and then having Sean meet me in some parts where I was at, it just it gave me feedback. It was like the more. I gave myself, the more our relationship shifted also. And so that, that was one reason that allowed me to help me stay in and stay curious. And also to distinguish whether this was worth investing in versus a pile of red flags was as I was learning to cultivate a relationship with myself, I was also learning to love who I was and I'm still learning to accept and love who I am. And you always created space for that. As time went on, I just found our our love moved from a space of toxicity to growth. And that came as a collective, emotionally mature decision we made together. And even though it was hard, and even though it was ugly in some parts, it still can be. The return is always so beautiful. And I always feel so Alchemized when we unpack our stuff, you know, like when we take our problems and really give each other the time and space to speak our minds and our truths about what has come up for you. That beautiful question, like what's coming up for you, babe? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I see you're pissed, but what's coming up for you? And we're not even able to answer that in the moment, but just the gift of saying to someone, what is coming up for you? Let me hear you. Let me see you. I'm here. I'm beside you. This sucks right, right now. But yeah, I'm here. Exactly.
3: when I realized like these conversations, like for the first time, I guess my whole life before you relationships were just like, okay, we're in love. So it's going to work. But yeah. I never knew that you actually had to put work into it, that it would be work. And after my last one, I, like I knew fundamentally something was wrong and I had to take accountability for my part in it. And in doing that, that's when I kind of like through all the, Whatever books and counseling and stuff that I did, I started to understand that it's not just like we're in love, so everything's gonna fucking work out because we're in love and love conquers all. Mm-hmm. There was actually work to do. And when I met you, you would engage me in these conversations where at first I still don't even like them. Never mind at first, but <laughs> I, I can tolerate them a lot better than I did. But the big thing is once the conversations ended, it was amazing how much lighter I felt. Mm. how much i feel like how much growth the relationship has it's like you broken down walls with the conversation that was uncomfortable between us you know it's like we mm-hmm. we have a bigger understanding because of that conversation and that was like i've never witnessed i've never experienced that before in any relationship and i think that for me was what kept me in it like i was like wow this is if we keep doing this kind of shit we're we're going places you know Yeah, and the fact that we were both doing it too, like individually, we had our own work to be doing. Like, if I was only doing the work, or if you were only doing the work and not seeing me doing it, then like, what? What's that's that's not right, you know? We both have to be pulling our weight and you know trying to do what we can to meet each other in the middle.
1: Yeah, I always say that real love isn't all sunshine and lollipops. Real love holds up mirrors, and I feel like we really do that with each other, whether it's good times or hard times, it's like, we reflect back in each other where we're at. And if it's something that doesn't feel good, we're able to have a mature conversation about it. And that was really important to me was noticing the polarity of being in a relationship with someone that was willing to listen and, and like, please understand that it wasn't always like that. We had times when we told each other to like get the F out of my face, doors were slamming. Like we weren't in the best space at the very start. And now it's like the polar opposite where it's like, like my door is open, come through when you're ready. Mm-hmm. And if you don't feel ready right now, that isn't a slap in my face. I'm here.
3: Right. Totally. Yeah. No, I, I think it. it pays off to be strong in your own skin and within yourself and knowing who you are, it, it definitely helps to, have, to be in that position to go into these conversations. Cause like, they're not like very rarely are they like planned conversations and sometimes they're, they are charged with emotion
2: mm, And yeah. so
3: to stay conscious yourself during that and not feel like it's an attack. And like, that's when a big explosion and argument right. or fight can happen. And yeah, you taught me that like, sometimes, you know, Sean, you don't need to respond, you just need to listen. And because sometimes I feel like I'm being attacked, and then I'm attacking back and I'm defending myself. And then it's like, we're both yelling because we're both feeling threatened by each other when in fact, all I have to do is, you know, understand that whatever your experience right now, I might not see it the same way, but I can still be listening to what you have to say. It may seem so simple, but it's it's, a, it's an amazing thing to be able to you vent or, or talk about what you're going through and then me being able to listen without feeling threatened.
1: For sure. I always say too, it's all in the delivery. And this is a practice that I have to enforce within myself. And I know it's a practice that you've enforced within yourself and just choosing, you know, the emotion you pack behind your words might not be the way that person receives it based on the state, of their mood at that time. So be selective or choose when and how you want to deliver, especially if it's important to you. Mm-hmm. Maybe saying to the partner, is this a good time to talk? Something's been on my mind. Instead of verbal diary of like, hey, I'm not happy about blah, 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 blah. Or, you know.
3: Right. Yeah. Because then it can come off as an attack and then the other person will feel threatened and they'll start attacking and then you have yeah, full-blown war.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I hope that helped answer some of the questions from that kept coming up from um, some of my messages. And thank you so much for everyone that reached out. I, I have such love and space for each of you. Let's talk about expectation and relationship. So remember my birthday (laughs) this year, I turned 38 in June. It was my first (laughs) birthday as a mama. And I guess... I in my head had this expectation that Sean was going to like woo in with like you know a greeting card written from my son saying happy happy birthday and you know maybe like a dinner or something and and I can't remember like looking back to the day I can't remember exactly how it unfolded but the big grandiose picture I had in my head was not how it went and instead of expressing with like thoughtful maturity or emotional capacity, I came at Sean from a very triggered space and I justified it as it's my birthday. Like, why don't you care? And so, so my point is what I learned about expectation on that day is it is so, so very important to clearly communicate your expectations to your partner especially if they're important to you because our partners are not mind readers. And no matter how long you've been together, it's not like this automatic thing that we remember birthdays and anniversaries and all these special occasions. Like for me, I like that's something I'm big on. And for you, that's not something you're big on. And I know oh, yeah. that you're big on other things. Yeah, and I'm not and a big what I <laughs> wanted to finish saying is that what I learned through Nautic, not communicating my expectation is I treated Sean as if he should know what that expectation was. And then I attacked him (laughs) for not delivering the expectation that I kept inside my head and not clearly communicating to him. So it became this vicious circle. It started a fight. I felt, and for me, ultimately, it just triggered all these unworthiness feelings like what I'm not worth a car, a Hallmark card from Koa. Like, why didn't I get this and that? And And I'm learning, you know, having a child and being in a relationship with someone long term or just being in a relationship at all. It's so important to be clear on your expectations and communicating them to your partner. Give them an opportunity to get to know your whys and why it's important, you know? And now I've gotten really good at telling you, like, hey, it's our anniversary and this is where I want to go for dinner and this is what I want to do. And I used to think, Like, oh, that's not a romantic relationship. And now that's really redefined how romance can show up in relationship within ourselves individually. I'm okay with doing that because I know that you're not a mind reader. And I like to spell things out for you sometimes because I know for me, they're important to me. And I know that the ways you show up in love for me are not exactly the way that is relatable for me to recognize. We have different love languages.
2: Totally. I so. that, that was
3: gonna mention that, and I'm like that's something I'm I'm trying to learn or be more conscious of. But like, yeah, buying gifts is not a big thing for me at all. And and, and like even making big deals out of like special occasions, it's never been a big thing. Like I don't scream your name at <laughs> the top of mountains or whatever, fly banners with "I love Jenny" on them. I never will but some people are like that and
1: it's for the warning that's,
3: that's what you kind of <laughs> wanted and expected but I'm I'm very low key and you know I and then also like when I said before I'm kind of slow like I'm kind of slow in like planning things for example and I'm not a good planner but I didn't, when a birthday was coming up I remember <laughs> specifically I was like what does she want more than ever right now I didn't even think anything to do with me I was like thinking of like cuz you know you've been pregnant and you've had COA and you didn't have time with your friends. So I was like gonna plan a night, a special like secret night, phone all your friends and plan like a night at the restaurant. and I'll drive you there pretending like you're gonna go to dinner with me and then they'll all be there with balloons and shit. And then they would say surprise and then I leave. But then when I phone like two or three of your friends on the third one, they're saying, Oh, Sean, we're already doing that on Friday. And I'm like, Oh, fuck's sakes. It just took all the wind out of my sails. And I felt kind of now I'm... I'm pooped because I was like putting all my eggs in that basket. And so I didn't even, I don't even know what I ended up doing for your birthday, but obviously but babe, it, like, wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, up to your expectations. And I
2: heard it.
1: <laughs> but having said that, could you have afforded to think ahead of time? Like,
2: totally. No. Yeah.
3: Honest I,
1: about the fact that. that I wasn't
3: For sure. I left it to the, I'm a, I'm a procrastinator. And I left that one to the last minute. And it was also because like I value you, but I don't value maybe these hallmark anniversaries, birthdays, and stuff like that. I don't put much weight into like celebrating. Every day is a special day with you, babe.
1: (laughs) 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 Okay. So and that's where we're different so much because I make such a big deal out of birthdays. You know, like I I love celebrating the ones I love. And yeah, that's how I recognize the love. And I learned as a result of this experience, just because Sean didn't deliver based on the way I needed it to happen, it doesn't mean you love me less. It doesn't mean you don't care about me. It just means we have different love languages. And that was a really good opportunity for us to learn about transparency and expectations.
2: Totally. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Sharing expectations is huge. Because what do they say, like, yeah, something to do with disappointment and expectations. There's, there's, there's a lot. If you have high expectation or if you just expectations can, do you know a quote? For
1: this? Well, <laughs> I know a quote that goes, expectations can be the root of all heartache.
2: There you go. I knew And
1: I want to add a caveat to that is that they don't have to be the root of all heartache if you clearly communicate them and really get clear on the why, you know, is it something you expect because it genuinely means something to you or is it something that you expect because it was something that was hardwired? in your system as a result of growing up and experiencing those memories or those conditionings in your childhood. Because
2: right, of, like filling a hole. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: as soon as you incorporate a whole other life into your life with somebody else, it's two different equations. So how do we integrate that? Before you and I were together lots of moments in between when we spent alone and apart, what's something you can tell someone on the journey of growth that can help them shift the way they might feel about feeling lonely or scared to be alone because I know that we had lots of pockets of alone time and I hated every single time in my anxious attachment. And now I'm like, babe, can I have my alone time now?
2: Yeah.
3: I can't emphasize enough how important it is to be comfortable by yourself.
1: Mm,
3: And just because you are by yourself, doesn't mean you're alone. Just because you're alone doesn't mean you're lonely. You have to be lonely. Because right. you are enough. And if you aren't enough to be alone with yourself, then there's, there's something, then there's work to be done. You haven't validated your own self-worth yet. I can't say like for some like my friends or people, if they just out of a relationship and they, they, I call it leapfrogging and they tend to like go from one relationship to another relationship to another relationship without that space, that gap in between mm. to center themselves, to find themselves you're definitely going to be repeating old habits. Yeah, I can't speak highly enough to the importance of having space and time on your own. And again, it's, it's, it's probably very uncomfortable for a lot of people. But I think if it's uncomfortable, then it's probably a, a good thing. You, know, yeah. you, need to, you need to be... And it's gonna, it might take a long time for some people, but you need to be comfortable in your own skin enough to be able to be alone and not feel
2: lonely there's a big difference there.
1: Yeah, I I absolutely love having that alone time. Back then, though, I I really hated it. But the more I did it, the more I got to know myself, which was a surprising gift. Because
2: totally. you're not you're by not distracted. myself. You're not It's distracted. not.
1: It's not something we're conditioned to think is normal. We're we associate aloneness with loneliness or you know like oh god I'm single like what's wrong with me yeah, and but yeah then
3: it, it's, it's in that space you can find out really what you love what makes you tick yeah what, what, what you don't like you know your passions your your hobbies and what makes you grow you know and if you're always distracted by tinder or bumble or or whatever even you know you miss huge opportunities on finding your true self
1: yeah I know that like for myself what really helped me is I I became the person I wanted to date. Like I literally would take myself out to the movies. I'd take myself out to dinners and lunches. And at first, I felt really awkward like, Oh God, everyone must be staring at me. And just gradually, I learned to love my own company. I started having conversations with myself about what I wanted and what was important to me and what I would no longer stand for and what redefining what love and self-worthiness looked like for me and how that was going to enhance my path moving forward. So I'm really glad we had those, those pockets of alone time. You know, I think there's really something so sacred about letting your wounds bleed. When, 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 when we're physically hurt and we bleed and blood comes to the surface, there's a healing process that is regenerating our body's capacity to keep us safe and to heal us and the same is true in life situations. And I know that's not easy because I have definitely was one to numb out also. I just think it's also so important to let your wounds bleed a little and sit and learn from that pain and what it's trying to teach you.
2: Yeah, fine, I know Don't repeat
1: can. the same choices that get us there in the first place.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
3: You know, you, you lose the opportunity to be creative if you're always out trying to fill these holes mm-hmm. with these thrills.
1: Like, I remember like you and I, you started drawing again, which I absolutely love. Like you're actually very good at drawing. And for me, it was writing.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And yeah. we would set you these times aside. These little passions or hobbies that you, you love to do. Like I found myself, yeah, like going back to, you know, art or playing music or sport or, you know, whatever it is for you, crocheting, it doesn't matter, but like it, If you have a passion in it, then, you know, let's lean into that and it's not wasted
1: time. That's for sure. For sure. What would you say your model of intimacy now is versus before baby Koa? (laughs) Because let's be honest, it's changed so much since we've had a baby. And I feel like our times intimacy to me has become more selective because so much of our time and space in our minds have been occupied by new things like our sun. So in what ways has it changed for you? What ways is it harder? In what ways is it better?
3: You said model of intimacy.
1: But your idea of intimacy is Sean. Intim-
3: <laughs> My idea. of intimacy, Yeah, it's not like it used to be where we we could make love anywhere and everywhere at any time. But now it's like <laughs> it's not very often. yeah it's definitely it's not very often but it's like i guess that part of me that wanted it all the time has totally been filled by my time with my son you know or our individual time with our son like i'm not gonna say i don't miss it like it's just i don't see it like i used to see it i don't crave it like i used to crave it i maybe it's a lack of sleep and maybe it's because we have priorities now that kind of overrun it before when we're like you know, not raising a child, we had, and we're living together, we had, there wasn't much in between us, but now we have koa, and to uh, I me, mean, that's like the most important thing in the world. So, and, and like, we're not gonna sacrifice our sleep or our diet to just have sex. So, you know, there's a lot of different levels of priorities of things that we have to get done in the day and night before we can even consider intimacy, I think. So, mm-hmm. it's definitely taken us backseat. Um, but whenever, like, and I said, a lot of people say they like, Oh, you got to plan intimacy and probably, and I'm not a good planner. Um, so maybe that's why we haven't been doing it as much because I'm, I'm not, maybe we'll come to planning, but, um, that's probably a good idea planning. (laughs) But like, I liked it when you like the other day when you, you came and I was sleeping on the couch and you just came and that was fantastic. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. like Once in a blue moon, it seemed like, but that's it filled my cup. It was, it was, I don't, I feel I don't need it as much because like I said, there's, there's bigger things that I feel are more important to me right now.
1: I definitely feel like, obviously it's a lot less and the fact that, you know, we're only eight months out with Koa. We've had Koa in our life for eight months and as a woman, it takes a lot of time to rebuild the body and just being so cognizant of the shift that I've experienced myself as a mother, physically, mentally, and emotionally. And I think it drives me absolutely insane that in society, we are supposed to get this six week checkup after we've had a baby and be given the green light for workouts and sex and all these things when really like, why isn't our system educating us on how we can begin to rebuild ourselves so that we can become interested in working out in intimacy and relating to ourselves again, after the mind blowing shift that we had just experienced.
3: Well, so It's crazy that there, it's like a, such a structured timeline that the medical system wild. would give any person Uh, maybe it's like a baseline, but like you're missing a key point of being in tune with your own body and your own self. And yeah, that, that should be emphasized or taught more in that field of medicine or health.
1: For sure. I wish it was too, especially now that I'm in it and no one could have prepared me for it. Just, just learning to relate to my body on this level now. And it's such a powerful thing to actually realize and recognize what my body's needs are and then making conscious choices for intimacy. Right. Intimacy like I still love to be intimate with you and it just looks different now in the way, you know, it takes time and I don't think there's a certain timeline one needs to abide by if you're still in line with yourself and that takes time for healing like you've literally been pregnant for 40 weeks for most women and and then you're just supposed to go into this space where you're supposed to go back to normal nothing is ever going to ever be the same ever again Mm -hmm. and so intimacy sometimes to me looks like you saying babe sleep an extra 20 minutes if you want I got this like don't worry about us like and that that makes me actually want to jump your bones even more than like you coming saying like hey like let's do it or whatever
3: yeah yeah you know so that's that's because that's that has to be a priority is your own health and like when we're talking about like most of this conversation has been about like relationship health and your your inner spiritual or mental health being strong and in tune with you but i think the holistic view is like you we also have to be in tune with our physical self too, our physical body and i think that's that's hugely lacking as far as an emphasis from the medical system and our system the society that we live in is like we are so dependent on outsourcing a silver bullet quick fix for something that ails us or even teaching us how to preventatively be healthy. So we don't need those quick fixes, whether a prescription or whatever. That goes back to time, time with yourself, you get, get to learn yourself and not just, you know, spiritually, mentally, but also physically. And it's all connected. Yeah,
1: it is. You're right. It's all so very connected. And just, and the more I learn to relate my body more in this stage of my life now, and just, the reverence I have for it and what it did to bring our son to the earth side. I'm just blown away by how everything literally down to the language we speak and what we eat and all of the things, how it's correlated with our mindset and how we show up and relationally with ourselves and the people that we love and just the world at large, really. Mm -hmm. So yeah, intimacy is a funny word like into me. See, you're seeing into me and how do we relate now? I think our dance with intimacy is a lot more special than it was before. And in ways, less is more right now. And who knows what that means down the road when we've explored that further. But for now, that's definitely how it has shifted for me.
3: Yeah. And I am same, and I and I honestly don't don't mind it. I thought I would if you told me like a year or two ago that like, OK, Sean, you're only going to be having sex once every two to three to four weeks. I'd be like, fuck
2: that, you're crazy, man.
3: But I'm I'm oddly enough, I'm totally okay with it. I'm very much at peace with it and I'm I love where I'm at in in all realms of my relationship with you and in my life.
1: Me too. We've only got about ten minutes left before we get the boy. So let's just ask a couple more things. What's one thing fatherhood has taught you about yourself and what's one thing your parents taught you about being a parent. Oh, geez. (laughs) You know, we we are considered late in the game parents, which is not true because you could do anything these days. You could be parents far into your 30s, 40s, new parents, I mean. So what is one thing that fatherhood has taught you about yourself? Let's start with that.
3: Well I can see it's it hasn't fully taught me it, but it is teaching me. Like I'm I Koa is gonna be my he is my greatest teacher. And it's something that keeps coming up and that's to soften my delivery. I, I was raised, I guess I responded well to kind of like militaristic, like from a sport background, like, you know, get your ass in gear and, and go do it, you know, achieve and uh, work hard. And so that, that's how I responded. And I think that's how I, I deliver a lot, you know, like, to, to even to you and to my to my mom and other relationships i I come across as being very um very hard yeah. it's hard, for, and I'm just understanding that and to me, I don't see it because that's all I've ever known that's that's who mm. I am and how i how I responded like some of the best coaches I've had were like the most hard asses, but I respected them because they they lit a fire under my ass, but not everyone responds like that, and that it's not so i'm i'm trying to I'm trying to like see that, and I don't want to there's a fine line i I don't want koa to be. I guess I don't want him to just to see me as like this hard ass. I need to be soft around him. I want him to, I want us to have a relationship that maybe I didn't have with my
2: parents Mm. Um, in a better way.
1: Mm -hmm. And what would you say that's something that your parents taught you about being a parent?
2: Well,
3: well, just the the unconditional love, you know, like Mm. even if I've failed, like I wasn't good at school or, the most part, if I wasn't good in my sports or whatever, they would always always love me. They would always say, "Sean, we're proud of you, Sean, I love you, Sean, I'm proud of you. I never want to put a condition on my love. I don't ever want to make him feel like i, I love him any less because he didn't achieve what maybe I thought he should achieve or something like that so i'm I'm very aware very conscious, you know even though he's so little right now, like I don't want to be that kind of parent once he starts getting to the age of you know competing or being in sports or, or school and stuff like that. So that's going to be a challenge for me, I think. And just being patient, being patient with myself with him and being patient with him. Mm, but I think patience yeah. for me is um, being having a softer approach and being patient are two things that I think that I need to work on moving forward.
1: Yeah. I mean, I watch Koa with you and he is obsessed with you. I remember the other day, he like was so excited to see his, all his limbs actively went crazy. And he just tried to get himself up to, to get towards you. Sure. Yeah. And I watch him with you and I see the price that, well, you can't put a price on, but your emotional presence brings to our son and what that means for him and the way that he's going to learn to cultivate. Relationships with other people and just being offered that presence and being seen and heard by us down to our language of, you know, we talked about when he cries, changing it from like, you're okay, baby, you're okay to I'm here, I'm here. Mm-hmm. So as not to suppress what he might be crying about, but to welcome, you know, like, okay, you're crying, there's a need here that you want to be met let's start with, I'm here, I see you, I, I can hold space for you. And then, and then like actively engage, what is the thing that you need and how do we impact this? And, you know, I know Koa is so little still and he's, he's not speaking it, but I, I fundamentally believe he feels the gift of that presence and it's going to, it's going to shape shift the way he relates to the world. And
3: absolutely. He's definitely, yeah.
2: Feel
1: their presence. For yeah. sure. And he, and you could see it the way he engages with strangers. Like he's just, he's such a social yeah. smiles with his whole body, you know? He does. Um, Don't you kind of miss him right now?
2: Yeah.
1: So I'm going to wrap this up. I'm just going to ask you one more thing in the light of the high tide podcast, which is all about exploring being stretched and going beyond our comfort zones and being brave. What's one thing you can offer our listeners about being brave and going beyond your comfort zone? What's one piece of advice, one quote, one anything that you keep close to your heart that you could share with others that might help them?
3: I think I said it before, but like well, maybe it's not really do with being brave, but like maybe being brave in that the peak of the obstacle or the challenge or the hard time is knowing that you're born for it. Like you, there's nothing the universe that will ever put in front of you that you weren't meant to handle. And I truly believe that.
1: Right. It's like that quote we saw last night by the stoic Tim Ferriss interview, the Tim Ferriss TED Talk. Yeah. Hard choices. How did it go? Easy choices, hard life, hard, hard choices. Hard choices easy life. life.
3: 100%. Yeah. Get comfortable with discomfort. Choose, <laughs> choose the path less walked. You know, like, I think as humans, we so are ingrained to like choose a path of least resistance, but that doesn't always yield great results. You know, make hard choices for a good life. Seek but, the comfort. There's nothing yeah. that. And that builds resiliency in itself.
1: 100%. Thank you, babe, for coming on and showing up in this vulnerable space with me today. you One thing I truly appreciate about my relationship with you... It's that we've worked so hard and continue to work hard at holding and creating a safe space for each of us as individuals to be our authentic selves in, which is such an incredible gift. I'm excited for our future and what we continue to build and what we'll continue to create within ourselves and our family.
3: As am I. And I didn't want, just for the record, I didn't want to be on this podcast. It was one of those... I gather, again, like uh, something that's not very comfortable for me to be like, speaking kind of publicly and even speaking about the subject matter, but I knew it was going to be discomforting to me, but I did it anyways, because first of all, I love you and I want to support you. And also I think something good can come of it, not just for us, but for anyone who may be listening. Thank you. Well, thank you.
0: Thank you so much for listening to episode nine of High Tide. It was such a pleasure to have this experience with my partner, Sean, it allowed me to reflect back on where we came from versus where we are now. Exploring our individual wholeness and embarking on the relationship we could build together from that space has been one of the best decisions we ever made. The magnitude of power that we each hold within ourselves to make choices that can lead to our expansion is something we all have access to. And though Sean and I's journey is unique to us, we are both learning that in choosing relationship with each other, we have to offer and uphold our parts of the foundational elements that we continuously communicate to keep our relationship strong. I hope through listening, you are left with some productive reflection that will move you to a space to ask bigger questions, explore your truth, and mostly to remind you of the radical most important thing, which is that you are so worthy of love. Thank you again for tuning in. I look forward to connecting with you next time on episode 10. I will be having a solo cast speaking about my creative journey and the powerful lessons I've learned along the way. I'll also share with you why taking a chance on yourself is one of the most important and exciting gifts you can experience. Until next time, I'm sending each of you so much love and thank you for being with me on this journey.